Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. think about that. Um, One of my habits is to uh, do what I'm getting ready to do now, and I'm going to ask that you would pray with me and for me as I preach. Uh, I have been preaching all of my adult life. It's an immense privilege from God to be able to do so, but I'm also deeply, deeply convinced that nothing of substance will happen here this morning apart from the work and ministry of the Spirit of God. So I'm going to ask that you listen carefully, thoughtfully, uh, but also prayerfully uh, as I uh, preach. And I would like to draw your attention to the Gospel according to John, uh, the first chapter of the Gospel according to John, the first chapter of the gospel according to John and the first verse. The first verse of the first chapter of the gospel according to John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing has come into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came into being a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and the world 
did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full, full, full of grace and truth. And I want to take as my subject this morning for your consideration this question. What are the practical lessons that we learn today from the incarnation of God? What practical truths can we learn from the fact that God, the eternal Son, became human? I have entitled this message, The Great Becoming. Now, in the first chapter of the Gospel according to John, there are numerous titles and uh, names given to Jesus. He is the light in verse 5. He is the life in verse 4. He is the only begotten in verse 14. He is Jesus Christ in verse 17. He is Jesus in verse 29. He is the Lamb of God in verse 29. He is the one who takes away the sin of the world. That's also a title. Um, he is the Son of God in verse 34. Jesus of Nazareth, verse 45. I mean, that's like the Jesus of Pilsen. Jesus of West Inglewood. Uh, he is the Son of Man in verse 51. One title is not sufficient. One name is not adequate to capture the wonder, the glory, 
the, 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 the unspeakable majesty of his person and the different aspects of his work, one name is not sufficient. This is just a sampling of some of the titles in John chapter 1. But he's also called the Word. He's called the Word four times in the Gospel according to John in the first chapter. And as we use our words to communicate, we use our words to um, express our thoughts and emotions and disclose who we are to others. You see, apart from verbal communication, each one of us is something of a mystery. But it's our words, the vehicle of communication. And to say then that Jesus is the word is to say that he is the personal expression of the thought, mind, character, and glory of God. Uh, to say that he is the word means that it is a part of God's essential being and nature to communicate himself. From all eternity, God was always moving out within the holy precincts of the Trinity. And there are three statements made about the word in verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And using the term in the beginning, using the word in the beginning is an allusion to the first chapter of the book of the Bible. You remember Genesis, the first book of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John alludes to that, but he does something different. Moses, the author of the book of Genesis, takes us forward in time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was hovering over the surface, uh, the, the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. But this is a forward movement in time. John takes us back to the eternity past. You see that? In the beginning was. Now, if you have your device, you have your Bible, you might want to draw a big circle around the verb was. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning of creation, in the beginning of time, the word was, was underscoring his eternal existence. In the beginning, eternally was the word. There never was a time when the word was not. Now that's awesome. I think if 
for us to, to at least present, give God a more energetic amen of something. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is, have you think, think about this. This is incredibly awesome. Think was. If you, you look back until our minds collapse from sheer exhaustion, and the word eternally was, long before the ruffle of angels' wings disturbed the hush of eternity, Jesus was. Was. We're lost in wonder. We're lost the glory of the eternality of the word. It says more, and the word was with God. Ah, so the word, the eternal personal word is distinct from God the Father. Notice the word with, the word was with God. The idea in with is toward. The word was toward God. The, the idea is, is dynamic movement and fellowship. And so that the word, God the eternal son, was eternally from all eternity in fellowship with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. I need you to consider for a moment the wonder of the fellowship. I mean, this, this, think about this. This fellowship never, ever began. It always was. And it was even more stunning is that through the work of Christ on the cross, God brings you into this eternal fellowship. Fellowship. And the word was The word is God himself. The Lord Jesus is not a creature or a created being. He is God himself. One with the Father in essence, in power, and in glory. And one of the great truths of the New Testament is the Godhood of Jesus. So verse 1 is eternity past. Think of that. That's verse 1. It's a short verse. Why didn't God say more? I have often wondered what was God doing in this bygone eternity? What was God doing? And what the Spirit of God is saying to us, what's really, really important is the eternal existence of the Word, the distinct person of the Word, and the Godhood of the Word. He was in the beginning with God. All things, repeat after me, all things, all things. came into being through him. 
So now we've had creation in verse 3. All things came into being through him. He's, uh, he created the universe, brought it into existence. Jesus did out of nothing by his word. You know how big the universe is? Folk who study the stars tell us that from what we can see with our technology and all of that stuff, the universe is 93 billion light years in diameter. You know what that means? Listen, you know how the speed of light, uh, 186,000 miles a second? So if I'm traveling at 186,000 miles per second, that's at one year, that's a light year, right? And the, the, the universe is 93 billion light years in diameter. And this is what we can see. Meaning then, if I was going to attempt to travel the universe from one end to the other, it's going to take us 93 billion years at the speed of light. This is what we can see. We know that there are billions of galaxies right now. All of them are in motion. Jesus brought all of this into existence by his word. All things came into being through him, apart from him. Nothing came into being that has not come into being. And then we come to this incredible statement in verse 14. Verse 1, we have eternity past. Verse 3, we have creation. Verse 14, now we have the incarnation. And the word, you see that? Became flesh. Notice the shift in the verb tense. Verse 1 is what the word was. Verse 14 is what the word became. The word, the eternal word, one with the Father in essence and power and glory, the eternal word who eternally was, became flesh, became human. It was a voluntary becoming. No one forced him to become human. It was a sovereign becoming. It was a becoming out of love and grace and mercy and compassion for you and for me. The word became. and tabernacle and dwelt among us. Now, if you have a good study Bible, and I know we're using devices and all of that stuff, but can I, can I, can I suggest you, you need to get you a good study Bible. And it's going to cost you a little bit too. It might cost you over $100 to get a good study Bible. Listen, I play basketball. I was talking to Pastor Jake. We shared that in common, basketball. <laughs> my, my gym shoes, I had to get some more gym shoes. So I, I went to the store, someplace downtown. Oh, they sell the gym shoes in this place. So I'm looking around. I 
saw a pair of gym shoes that cost $415. Now, I'm having a moment at $415. I'm from Chicago. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Gym shoes back in the day cost $8. We called them Converse. I, they're coming back now. It's coming back now. See, it's kind of a style. It's not a Converse All-Stars. You know what I'm talking about, the Converse All-Stars. They cost $8, $10. But, but then I saw another shoe. It was a cheaper shoe, but it was, they call it Air Jordan. They got a pic picture of him like this, Air Jordans. And that shoe cost $165. Now, I got some of these athletic people at Judson Baptist Church, they pull me aside, well, now, Dr. Neely, it's a good shoe. It fits well, blah, 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 blah. It's worth $150, $60. Well, I, this is my point. If you can spend $165 for a gym shoe, you can invest some money in a good study Bible. And Jesus. A good study Bible. A good study Bible. A good study Bible. A good study Bible, man. Good study Bible. Uh, uh, priorities. Mm -hmm. Well, so well, my my study Bible in the margin has uh, next to the verb dwelt. The margin of my Bible has tabernacled. Look at your neighbor and say tabernacle. Now, that should mean a lot to y'all <laughs> for a number of reasons. <laughs> Do you think that the name of this place is Chicago what? Okay, so now I got in the margin of the study Bible, tabernacled. Mm -hmm. what, what see? You see, the tabernacle in the ancient Israel was the dwelling place of God. So when you identify your facility and the people who meet in it as a, as a tabernacle, do you realize what you're saying? We are saying that God is among us. Did you see that? that that's what this, what's, what's happening. Tabernacled among us. And what he is doing is echoing language from the Old Testament. Listen to this, I'll just read this to you. Um, from Exodus chapter 40. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. Then did the cloud of the Shekinah glory covering the tent of meeting. Now think of the humility of God. And the glory of the Lord or the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day until it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord, the cloud of Yahweh, that the Yahweh, the sacred name of God, 
Are you technical commentaries that reads YHWH? Jewish people would not even pronounce the name, the, the tetragrammaton, the, the sacred name of God, the cloud of Yahweh was on the tabernacle by day. There was fire by night to guide the people of God the sight of all the hosts of Israel. And when the Spirit of God takes up tabernacle language in John 1, he is saying that the Yahweh of the Old Testament who filled the tabernacle and the temple with his glory tabernacled among us in the person of Jesus. Think of that. And he tabernacles among us in such a way where we can access him. See, and Moses, Moses, one of the godliest men who ever lived, could not even enter into the tabernacle because the glory of Yahweh had filled it. And now Yahweh becomes flesh. He's accessible now. We, we, they, we, they ate with him, walked with him, talked with him, observed him, shed tears, watched him, hanging naked on the cross, dying for our sins. The, 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 the word dwelt among us. One practical implication, one practical lesson for us is this. We all know this, but it's good to remind ourselves. If you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. You want to know the kind of people don't know who God is today. You look at Jesus. You look at him. Who is God? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, and you will see God. You'll see him. Another thing the incarnation teaches us to get passionately involved in life. Jesus, God himself, one with the Father in essence, power and glory is not aloof. He's not distant. He became human, meaning he became passionately involved. And that means then as followers of Christ who embrace that incarnational ministry, we have to move outside of our comfort zone and get involved in life apart from sin, to be redemptively involved in all of life apart from sin. That means I'm gonna to have to move outside of my comfort zone. You ever been in one of those socially awkward moments? Socially awkward. Look at your name and say socially awkward. So there's socially awkward moments. You walk in the room, you don't know anybody in the room, Pastor Jake. Then you don't know anybody in the room. You ever been in a moment like that? Socially awkward. That's when you trust God. Someone has said that they have found that the time when they have to trust God the most is in socially awkward moments. Move outside your comfort zone. Move outside your comfort zone. 
And you don't let race and ethnicity get in the way of that. I've been in places because of what God has called me to do. I'm the only chocolate person in the room. I'm the, I'm, I'm the only chocolate person in the room. There, there ain't even any caramel folk in there. No, no butter pecan folk. It's all vanilla. And vanilla is good. Nothing wrong with vanilla. But I'm thinking to myself, God placed me here. I'm here where I am by the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. You move outside of your comfort zone and become a blessing to somebody. That's the incarnation. I mean, Jesus didn't stay in heaven. He came to this world. Why do you think y'all are having church over here in the neighborhood? Why do we have ministries like Lawndale where, where you lived in? I lived in Lawndale, Pastor Jake. I lived there on the west side of Chicago in that neighborhood. I grew up from the south side of Chicago, but you know what happens? I'll tell you what happens. You go to school, you get educated, you make money, and you get this notion, I got to leave the hood. When in fact, the hood needs us. That's a whole nother matter. That's a whole nother matter. That was not even written down. <laughs> Let me say a couple other things here. Um, involved in life. That means you need to move close to your family. I'm speaking to fathers now. You got to move close to your wife. Got to get involved with your children. That's incarnational fatherhood. Some of you are introverts. Ask God to give you all of the grace and help and strength you need. And see, another thing too, the pandemic has made a lot of us comfortable with isolation. You know, you're working remotely, right? It was difficult at first, but it's kind of sweet now. <laughs> all you have to do is put on a shirt. That's all. You, you, we've got the house shoes, but you know, nobody sees that on the Zoom thing. It's just got on the shirt. Blouse, hair pulled together. Why would I leave house now? Uh-huh. You got to get involved. I can say a lot more about that. But see, I'm not one of those hit and run preachers. You know what a hit and run preacher is? Preacher come and say a very difficult thing, then I leave Pastor Jake and then Pastor Toledo to clean it up. So I'm not one of those, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to something. I'm not going to be one of those, what they call hit and run, hit and run preachers is what they call <laughs> Come in and wreak havoc and leave. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I like y'all. Um, yeah. And we saw his glory. I could say a lot more about that, but time has gone away from me. But it's just the act, the character of God itself, act and manifestation. Glory of the only begotten from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and Jesus was full of truth. And that leads me to another practical lesson that we can learn from the incarnation of Jesus. As followers of Christ, our lives need to be full of grace and truth. Full. Full of grace and truth. And we're going to need the fullness and power of the Spirit of God in order to do that. Full of grace. Full of grace. Undeserved blessing flowing out from us to others because we are recipients ourselves of the grace of God. Years ago, back in 2003, Chris Rice and Spencer Perkins wrote a book called Grace Matters. Chris was white. Spencer Perkins was the late Spencer Perkins, son of John Perkins, was African-American. They were deeply, deeply committed to their friendship. Started a multi-ethnic community in Antioch, in Mississippi. And they worked really, really hard at it. And they began to discover over time that both of them were broken men. Both of them were. And they had to extend grace to one another. Grace matters. And truth, to embody the truth to be committed to the truth. But here's the problem with the church. We have, some of us are strong on the grace side. We want to extend grace to people. Truth doesn't matter, just grace. Then some of us are very strong on the truth side. I mean, we have no problem speaking truth to people. We really don't. So some people just speak truth. And as I look back on my own life now, after all of these years of ministry, I was one of those truth persons. I was a truth person. And when people had an issue in their life, they wouldn't come and talk to me. Not that they didn't know I loved them but they were just afraid of that judgmental truth coming from Winfred. And I've learned through the years, you gotta have both. You gotta have grace and truth and fullness. I love you and we care deeply about you. But what you believe and what you're doing is going is hurting you. See, it's grace and truth. It's both of them. And so speaking truth, but I'm speaking truth. You're speaking truth with a heart that's breaking with the heart of God because Jesus really does care. You see, truth or grace without truth is grease. And truth without grace is legalism. And we need 
world. What would happen in our 21st century world if the church of Jesus Christ became known for both? Truth and grace. Some of you need to pick up the phone, send a text, FaceTime somebody, and extend grace and truth. And I think if we start doing that, we'll see a difference. And I think the world, more so now, in this time in which we live, needs the church to do both of those. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I don't know about you, but I'm just going to go vulnerable and say to you that that's one of my commitments for 2022. Lord Jesus, please help me to have both. Grace and truth. Truth and grace. Because therein is where the glory is. God bless you.